When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi folks and welcome to Heart and Hand Extra. This is your little bite-sized uh, free show um, from all of us here at Heart and Hand Towers uh, to discuss all things Rangers. My name is Cammy Bell. I'm stepping in for our uh, pod overlord, uh, David Edgar, for this week. Um, and joining me uh, to discuss all things to do with uh, the Hamilton game last night and the upcoming trip to Ross County is my wonderful friend, Mr Ian Hogg. Ian I won't ask you how you are, because I'm fairly sure I could guess it. I'll ask you if you've calmed down yet. Calmed down to a minor seethe, where I only wish to go rampaging now. Uh, last night was a fucking shit show, mate. And excuse my language throughout this pod. Uh, I know there may be children listening. Yes, I, I will also add in a bit of a disclaimer there. Um, parental advisory is, uh, I think, in effect in terms of where our explicit lyrics will come in. Um, yes, Rangers, uh, having been fairly humbled out of the Scottish Cup last weekend, uh, took to the field to get a result and, more importantly, uh, try and cover some lost ground against Hamilton Ackies. Um, that was the expectation, Ian. Um, there was lots of um, various back and forth following the exit of the Scottish Cup to now, um, mostly involving the manager. Um, those rumours were quashed somewhat uh, following the press conference at the beginning of the week, uh, where he renewed his commitment to the club and he was looking to be able to try and move forward with everything. Um uh, yeah, he wanted to be able to try and provide us with uh, a few surprises. And we got a big surprise. Or maybe it's not that much of a surprise. Who knows? Um, certainly at the weekend, as much as I don't like to admit it, um, there was a journalist, and I actually can't remember who it was, that described Stephen Gerrard as effectively still being in the body of a captain and a player when he does his post-match interviews, less so pre-match, but when he does his post-match interviews, it's almost as if he's the guy, as Martin Ramsey mentioned earlier on today's Daily Update on Patreon, uh, it's almost as if he comes across as the adrenaline-pumping guy that's run 13 kilometres, while some of his teammates haven't, so he's kind of pumped, and the passion is, is there for all to see. Now, there's a fine line between... Um, having Roy Hodgson 
basically doing your post-match to a fully pumped up Jose Mourinho, who's just who just wants to destroy the world. In reality, the 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 I would imagine the right uh, mix is somewhere in the middle. And lately, and we've seen it throughout the season, and we've seen it last season as well, when things maybe aren't going so well, and indeed when things are going well, Steven Gerrard can verge into that um, overpassionate extraordinaire. Um, and we certainly had that on Saturday night when the players were chucked under the bus once again. Incidentally, rightly so, they were shambolic. Uh, but the key is chucked under the bus again. And there's only so many times that you could refer to effectively scorch the earth uh, until it's not going to have any more impact. So the big concern off the back of it was how many times has he done that? And also, he's now actively talking about, at the weekend, reviewing his own position. Now, he did then clarify that on, when was the presser? Monday. Uh, when he said, look, you know, it, it's it's fine. That, that That's a very short-term thing. Long-term, I'm all in. I'm in for the, for the long ride. And... Then we get to last night's game and he makes a few changes. You could argue the formation was tinkered with as well, uh, but the changes effectively, a couple forced upon him, Jack and Arfield out, um, with, uh, from memory, Kamara and Hadji in, with Aribo dropping back into midfield. And two that he wanted to make, Greg Stewart out and also Ryan Kent dropping to the bench with Florin Kimberry coming in, Alfredo Morelos coming in, partnering Hadji in the, in the kind of front three. Um, it was, on the face of it, the changes that people were clamouring for. Ryan Kent had been, maybe Braga, second half aside, has been very poor. There had been a clamour for him to be in the bench. Florin Kimberry had been relatively good, maybe not so much to start in Braga, but certainly off the bench as an impact player, we've seen it, Cami, and a wee clamour for him to come in, and everyone expected Alfredo Morelos to come back into the fold. And Alfredo Morelos, incidentally, that we may come on to later, who is clearly channelling his inner Marco Negri circa January 1998. Um, so we, we start the game, I think the first half, actually, we by and large, we do all right. We're not pulling up trees, but we're not dog shit either. We do all right. We just cannot get that breakthrough. We have you know, several good chances. Um, you know, in the, in the total match, I think it should be, be remiss to say we had 31 attempts in goal and nine on target. But it's not as if it was just an unlucky game. It's yet another. So we get to half time. There is that gnawing feeling, Cammy, of for all we've dominated, here we are again. Is it going to be? Is, is it going to be our night? Well, this is what's interesting, I think, because there's another stat which has been kind of going around as well, Ian, which I I find particularly concerning. That I believe of sixteen of our of our well fifteen of our last sixteen matches, we've failed to score in the first thirty minutes of said matches. Now. Um, there's, there's, and you and I love pieces of context. There are pieces of context involved within that because those obviously in, involve uh, a lack of Alfredo Morelos either through 
self-serve suspension or disciplinary uh, issues. Greg Stewart, who I, I am not sold on whatsoever. I haven't ever really been sold on him, and I think it's been proven correct in terms of what you've seen, especially in the last few weeks. Uh, Florian Kimberry has come in, um, has probably done okay, I think, in terms of some aspects of it. And really from striking options, that's pretty much about it. Um, what we've also seen, um, probably more habitually, is Rangers not starting well. Certainly the scoring stats would, would present that. Going in at half-time and then coming back out all guns blazing. And if one thing that, that the manager could hang his hat on was that he was able to rally them at half-time and come out and get a performance from them, that is now no longer happening. Um I think the, the comparisons of uh, Alfredo Morelos and Marco Negri are absolutely spotting the money. Um, Morelos is unfit. He's overweight. Um, if And I'm, I'm, I'm happy to put the disciplinary process of him being unable to prepare in time adequately by coming back to the UK with sufficient time as he was visiting his mother in Colombia, who is, is rumoured to be very, very unwell. Uh, the manager excluded him for that reason, uh, explained in Tuesday's press conference that that was the reason for for it and it's now behind us and we deal with it. Morelos himself publicly apologised. Um, I thought, personally speaking, looked sh sharper um, in terms of what he'd done in the last few weeks. Uh, was very unlucky um, hitting the bar. Uh, but it got to the 68th minute, Ian, uh, where uh, we had a bit of a collective brain fart. However, none more so than Connor Goldson, who almost inexplicably, for some reason, uh, when the ball was coming towards him, James Tavernier was running with uh, facing his own goal. So at that point, Goldson had the option of being able to try and clear it. Um, seemed to just bring the ball under control, rotate 180 degrees, look to be able to, for what I think, potentially play back to Conor McGregor, which would have been a stupid thing to do, given that Goldson was in his own box at the time anyway. David Mayo from um, Aki's nipped in and just stabbed the foot past him. Because McGregor's not expecting it, um, it goes by um, McGregor's left-hand post. Aki's are 1-0 up, and uh, despite what was happening uh, through in Livingston with uh, Celtic trailing, we uh, conceded yet more ground in the league. And um, I think it's fair to say, Ian, that as soon as that goal went in, pretty much everybody in Ibrox, which wasn't in any way full, pretty much felt that that was it. Yeah. Uh, so... A few things to unpack. You're right, I think the, the first half of the season, we were scoring lots of goals early and lots of goals late on. We were fairly controlled. We weren't rabbit in the headlights. We weren't desperation stakes. Now with what we've seen in 2020, we've played nine league matches. We've won four. Four out of nine. Uh, we've gone from 50 points out of 57 to, uh, what is it, 15 out of 27, that's a monumental drop-off. Um, and bang on the money, um, uh, Cammy. except it's Alan McGregor and goals and not the aforementioned UFC fighter, Conor McGregor. Uh, oh, although, although, <laughs> although, although, actually, Frank, let's bring Conor McGregor in. Why not? We've conceded enough. I would play Conor McGregor at centre-half if he wasn't one of them. Um, and, and I mean Celtic fan by that, clearly. So, yeah, um, the whole defending was rancid. And again, we've seen that before. Myself and Martin talked about it earlier. Um, there is no way on earth that 
Conor Goldson makes that move against Braga last week in Portugal. None whatsoever. It's cleared. It's out of danger. It's set yourself back up. It's get your formation, get your shape back, get the spine of the team reorganised. Meanwhile, what we had last night was largely James Tavernier saying, after you, Connor, and Connor saying, no, no, James, after you, and then take try to take charge, taking control of the ball, and try to do some kind of Cruyff drag back. The guy nips in, gets the ball, sticks it past uh, Alan's uh, pal Conor McGregor, and they've scored it. And I don't think it's McGregor's fault in any way. You know, it happens so fast, he's, he's not going to be able to react to that. It's solely on uh, Conor Goldson and perhaps to a lesser extent, James Tavernier. Defenders defend, clear the danger. You know, it's almost a case of. Hamilton are beneath us and therefore we should we should be able to do this. Actually, we're at nil-nil and what's turning out to be a fairly crucial game because, like it or not, if you know Celtic drew last night, Rangers win last night, it's down to 10 points, game in hand, hopefully seven. They're coming up two games time. It's not quite game on, but it's more doable than it was at kickoff. So we're into dereliction of duty mode, to be honest, Cammy, you know, the way that the likes of Goldson dealt with that last night, it was shambolic. And you're right, from there on in, because of what's happened in 2020, and you've now got the players actively talking about it, around, you know, we, we prefer to be the underdogs and blah, blah, blah. In that Ibrooks toxicity, really, um, you had a set of players who visibly shrank now, I know we had chances, and I know we had good chances, but those good chances were largely maybe from mistakes and less so fashioned, because in that last half hour, we then shrank into ourselves and went back to passing side to side to side, get it out wide, um, try a wee trick or a wee turn, turn back into traffic and wait until there's three players around us, and then attempt to cross the ball into the box where we've got, you know, five foot eight, Jermaine Defoe in the middle. It's predictable. Uh, it's as predictable as it is pathetic and vice versa. In that last half hour, you were looking at a team with no leadership, no discernible leadership, with no spine, with no heart, with no bravery, with no uh, no, no one willing, maybe uh, maybe Rebone had you aside, to be honest, no willingness to take the ball and try and do something and make a difference. And for me, um, uh, I'm going to pick on an individual player. This is this is grossly unfair, right, Cammy? Because the guy's a kind of reserve player trying to find his way at Ibrooks. But for me, really, uh, really, a, a big example was Brandon Barker comes on to make a difference with 15 minutes to go. He tried his heart out. He really did. And what did he do? He ran up the line, turned one way, turned another, turned back into traffic and hit the first man. You're just thinking, fuck me. More of the same, more of this, frankly, cowardly shite. And that last half hour was, as I say, as predictable as it was pathetic. I'll come back on to mentality in just a second because I do want to, to address that specifically. But in order to, to probably dovetail what you've said, I'll go slightly opposite. 
and I, I will pick on someone, and I don't care if I'm harsh because it's deserved, um, who is a regular in the side, and that is Goldson himself. Now, what, what I want to come back to just very, very quickly, since we have to regurgitate what happened against Hearts, one of the, the get-out-of-jail um, scenarios that we had on um, Saturday's game against Hearts was, um, you'll remember Ian um, a bouncing ball uh, on our 18-yard line. Connor Goldson is about to, to shell it. Here's uh, a shout from George Edmondson. Edmondson completely misjudges the ball. It hits the back of his heel and provides a wonderful through ball to Stephen A. Smith. Uh, and we're fortunate not to to, to have a, a, a second goal scored against us. Last night, what you saw um, within some of that as well was a lack of responsibility in terms of dealing with the ball, being able to get it out of there. And we are causing our own downfall by making quite blatant, quite clear errors where Connor Goldson's not clearing it, James Tavernier's not clearing it, Alan McGregor, I will give a bye to because I don't think he was involved in that whatsoever. It's not his fault. But Goldson now is one of the trusted lieutenants. He's undroppable, blah, 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 what have you. The mistakes that he's making now, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm I'm going to blame Goldson for what happened against Hearts because not necessarily because I want to protect Edmondson, but you and I play centre-half together. If I'm the senior player and I'm clearing the ball, you get out my way. It's that simple. You and I have played football long enough together that you know that you have to be able to try and make sure there's a clear definition of communication there. And as far as I'm concerned, Conor Goldson didn't do that when he left the ball to Edmondson against Hearts. And I, God alone knows what he was thinking last night because it was ridiculous. And he, he gives his he gives his goalkeeper no chance. Frank, you could put Conor and Alan McGregor both in goals last night and it probably still would have conceded. But coming on to the mentality. Now, there was comments that were made by James Tavernier in the match programme last night. And... This is something which I, I, I'm not wanting to fixate on, but I do think is worth mentioning where the captain in his own programme notes has said that he's aware of where our shortfalls are and we're aware of it as a team. Now, there's not necessarily something wrong with that per se, but when you come out of an absolute arse feeling against Hearts, which is what happened to us, because we're not talking about a smash and grab by Hearts here, by the way, we were absolutely terrible at Tynecastle. Man to man, they were collectively pish. So we know that we're not playing well. So we have to use this game against Hamilton in order to try and, you know, get into a better place, to be able to try and regroup. Let's circle the wagons. Let's get a bit of unity in there. And in his own programme notes, he already sets up to say, we know that teams have, have got wise to this now. Now, firstly, I can't believe that he said that. I can't believe he was allowed to print. A major issue and, and mistake by Rangers. But what it signified to me and what I'm seeing from the body language and the mistake last night by Goldson, the mistake on Saturday by Tavernier, it feels to me that these players now believe that they're victims. They believe that, you know, something's gone wrong, blah, blah, but they're not taking the accountability and the ownership to fix it. And whilst we wallow in this undeserved self-pity I don't believe we'll move forward. I really genuinely don't. And I think if you say that publicly, if you put it in match notes, if you look at it from a body language perspective and you make errors, you're forced into mistakes by teams at the bottom of the division. You are creating your own problems and no one, and I'll include everyone in that playing staff, some guys in there with years and years and years of experience, international captains, 
wants to take responsibility for this. No one is in that playing squad right now. From a winning mentality, it says, listen, yes, we're in the doldrums, but everyone here needs to step up a gear and then take it further forward. And and, and I, I don't want to go down the whole scorched earth and we have to start everything again. But these guys now show it's easy in Europe because they don't have the pressure on them, so therefore they feel free to express themselves. But yet domestically, it's fine to be able to come and press us because, as you mentioned beforehand, we were scoring quite freely. Teams have got wise to, okay, that's fine, so what are you going to do about it? And now it's a woe-is-me type mentality, which is unacceptable. And it's unacceptable to fans who pay thousands of pounds a season because our fans will go everywhere. They will go everywhere in Europe. I've went into Europe this season. And as this league campaign continues, it's 40 quid a ticket, it's 50 quid a ticket at home. It's air, it's air travel, it's buses, it's various other things as well. These players look like as if they couldn't care less about what the fans have to go through at the moment. And, and I'm sure that's not the case, incidentally. I'm sure the players do care about what the fans think. But when you've got... Let, let's let's look at those two guys that you've talked about, the two guys who effectively caused the mistake last night. Um, start off with Conor Goldson. Conor Goldson is, stroke was, a Premier League defender. Now, he didn't have an English Premier League defender. He didn't have very many appearances. But he was a defender for Brighton and Hove Albion. Um, we bought him for... Uh, a, a reasonable amount of money, you know, it wasn't earth shattering, um, but he's one of the highest earners of the club. That's beyond a shadow of a doubt. One thing he should be able to do is defend. Now we know he can, and I think that's why actually, maybe compared to previous seasons, Cami, that's why we are angrier because we know this lot have got it technically. My old man last night texted me and basically said, technically they've got it, but mentally there's a living Rob Kiernan's in the park. Now, I don't think he was that wrong, to be honest. Um, that, that you take the likes of a Conor Goldson, te- technically and defensively he can be superb. I give you Braga versus Rangers. Um, last night, it's mind fart zone. It really is. It, it, it's proper Rob Rob Kiernan zone, um, and he would never, ever, ever have tried that against Braga away. Which makes me think either he's been told he can take more risks in the Scottish Premier Football League or what the fuck it's called, or he feels he doesn't have to concentrate enough and he can overplay and almost take Hamilton for granted. Then we get into a James Tavernier. Now, I'm by and large, Cammy, I'm I'm a Tav fan. I, I didn't used to be. Take the lights of February 2017 when he kept on fucking up at Tynecastle. Groundhog Day, just saying. Um I, I, I wasn't a particular fan, but then we sorted the shape and all the rest of it, and he he's getting caught out less. And in the first half of the season, he's magnificent going forward. Second half of the season. Certainly not so much. Um, and when he's off his game, Jesus, he can be off it. And and I'll look at the comments. And the comments in isolation, okay, you know, you can maybe buy them. But after Ryan Kent's comments, you're then thinking, do you know what, that's our club captain. Our club captain's basically saying, in print, we've been found out and we're shiting it a little bit because we want to be the underdogs. 
Now, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but that's what I took from it. And the biggest fear I've had with Tav as a club captain all along, right from the start, right from when Stephen Gerrard said, you're my guy, you were the guy in the dressing room as a captain, you're my guy now, is that, like it or not, we've got a serial loser as a club captain. Because he is. He's been through every sort of mental torture with Rangers under a whole variety of managers. Now, great, 10 out of 10, he's stuck in there. He's threatened to come out the other side. And then when the going gets tough, he starts writing about how tough it is in print. Now, <laughs> yeah, it's nice that you're showing your feelings and all the rest of it. Keep that in-house and fucking well sort it out. It's the same as Ryan Kent last, last week. We prefer to be the underdogs. Well, maybe you didn't quite mean it like that. Actually, I think you did. But... I'm afraid you're going to have to wise up. We're Rangers, the biggest club in the country, the most successful football club in the world. If you cannot handle it, there's a door. No one's stopping you. There's a door. And I expect, Cami, in the summer, whether or not Gerard's still around, I expect a reasonable turnover of players because too much trust has been placed in these players and they've, they've, they've simply shown that when the going gets tough at the business end of the season, they cannot be trusted. Well, let's, let's, let's talk about that at the moment then, because I think we need to, we need to look forward to Ross County. Um, the song which is playing over my head at the moment is the Backman Turner Overdrive of You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. So hopefully my, um, my hope is at the moment that Rangers won't decide to drop another bollock uh, up in Dingwall. However, you know, we don't trust them not to, so we'll see what happens. Well, let's talk about that because um, the the next game, um, I feel like we could just repeat this from the, the flagship show at the, the beginning of the week where we're saying we've got an opportunity for a game coming up to, to right some wrongs. Um, so let's, uh, you know, do the second version of that. We're away to Dingwall on Sunday. Um, I guess our Ross County team, who are inevitably higher up in the division than both Hamilton and Hearts, um, Here's a big question for you. You are the manager of Rangers. Ian, um, do you drop Connor Goldson? Um, do you know what? Yeah, I do, because he deserves to be dropped and he deserves to be treated in the same light as Nikola Katic and George Edmondson have been. Nikola Katic makes one or two mistakes. You don't see him for dust. George Edmondson comes in, has a couple of good games, one bad game, you don't see him for dust. Connor Goldson trusted lieutenant, can make mistakes and he's still in the team. So I would be inclined to start Edmondson and Katic. So I agree. I would drop him. Um, there's a there's a point to this where I think that we need to be able to go out and show that, that maybe if it's going to help him or give him a bit of a rest or whatever or get him to, to regroup mentally, then we'll take it from there. Um, I am similar to yourself. I'm still in the Stephen Gerrard camp although, you know, he's, he's doing everything he can to get me out of it. My gut feeling just now is that we can still get a result against Ross County. I think we've got huge games coming up of a Celtic game sandwiched in between uh, two by Leverkusen games. And we need to be able to try and, and obviously get results in all of these games, purely for pride, if nothing else. 
because by a, a, a very, very good team, um, Celtic will certainly smell blood, so they'll look to be able to get it. That's us three games further further on. Um, there's a there's a growing dis, you know dissent around the, the, the camp around the keeping Gerard in place this now or giving him the rest of the season and allowing him to rebuild. I think and and David Edgar has said this across our um, last few pods and uh, since Hamilton and, and certainly again last night that once you've lost Rangers fans, it's incredibly difficult to recover them. Um, I think even if he went on a fairly solid domestic run, probably even beating Celtic at that point, which fundamentally is redundant now anyway, because all it would do is lessen the gap between us, but they would still win the league. A decent account of ourselves in Europe, then I think he stays, then I think it gives us the option to rebuild and and bring in new players, again, potentially Gredit Avenue. Um, or even removing from the captaincy burden and readdressing that whole situation. So a complete overhaul. But there is also the point in that if we get rid of him now, because let's say we lose uh, to Ross County on Sunday, we're heavily humiliated in both the uh, Leverkusen and Celtic games. Um, I think he loses the last of the goodwill that he has. And I think he has to go at that stage, is, is my own personal thoughts. Yeah, the only manager that I think in my living history that has regained the trust of most of the fans, because it was never all of the fans, was Alex McLeish. He had a wonderful first 18 months. Um, his second full season was shambolic. A lot of that due to fire sales. Um, and of course, he made it up then with Helicopter Sunday. Of course he did. Um, and then very quickly extinguished it the following season and and, and was out the door. Um, Gerard, I think you're right because because we've we've talked long and hard in 2020 about the next game's a pivotal game or the next game's the one to make up. We lose to Hearts on the 26th of January. We've got to beat Ross County. We did, and then we drew with Aberdeen. So we've got to beat Hibs, and we did in the last minute, incidentally, so it could have been worse. And we've got to get by Hamilton. Great, we've got there. And then we fuck it up at Rugby Park. So we've got to beat Livingston, and and we'd love to beat Braga. And we did, ultimately. And Braga should have been one of those, right, that's a proper turning point. There's a team who were in the doldrums, and they sorted themselves out in the last half hour, and they drove on, they smelt blood, they got the win. And then and then we drew with St. Johnson. And then we beat Braga away with one of the most complete away performances I have ever seen from a Rangers team in Europe against the best team in form-wise in Portugal. And we think, right, that's another pivotal moment. Then we get beat by Hearts, then we get beat by Hamilton. We've had this since the end of January. And there's, what, three or four times that I've just talked about. The ne- right, that's, that's the key moment. So for, for, for Gerard right now, his issue is it's on the day recording, the 5th of March. So there's still two and a half months of the season to go, which is a long time when you're treading water, Cammy. If there was five games to go... Fine, you know, you just see it out. But two and a half months is a long time. Now, you've outlined a, a scenario there which is dog shit, let's face it. Um, it could go the other way. 
we could beat Ross County, we could beat Leverkusen, we could trounce Celtic, and we're going into the Leverkusen game high as a kite into Germany. Um, uh, probably just from the drugs from the coronavirus. So we are, we're, we're, we've got a dilemma. As a club, I think Stephen Gerrard and the board and Ross Wilson have a dilemma. They either, they've got one of three options, they either stick and hope, because at the minute it's hope, I'm seeing very little, maybe Braga aside, very little evidence of we can turn this around. Short term. So it's stick and hope, or then you're into replace the management team options. Do you replace? And I saw plenty of clamour of that on Twitter last night. And immediately you said to me, well, replace him with who? And I kind of took the, the, the coward's way out and went, well, that's Ross Wilson's job. But you've really got two options. Replace short term to the summer and then sort it in the summer. And we're into massive overhaul and so on and so on. Or you replace now long term and you're fishing in quite a shallow pool, let's face it. You know, you're looking at guys who are basically out of job. And there's plenty of them around. Let's not kid ourselves on. Um, but I'd be fucking terrified of Neil Warnock, that's for sure. Um, so I think there's your options. And it's incumbent right now on Ross Wilson, the board, and Stephen Gerrard to be honest with themselves and say, right, do we think we can turn this around? If so, how? What mechanisms are we going to use to turn it around? And frankly, Ross Wilson, who is the de facto head of football operations and therefore the boss, really. Ross, do you believe it? Do you believe that those mechanisms can turn things around? Um, because, as I say, in the year of 2020, I'm not seeing very much evidence of it at all, Cammy. No, I agree with that. And I think um, there's a, probably a lot of um, foundations that have to be able to try and get laid. I'm not, I'm not necessarily willing to put this all at Ross Wilson's door at the moment because I don't believe that he's had sufficient time in the job to be able to try and do this. And he certainly wouldn't have come into this job with the expectancy that he would have to replace the management team so quickly. Because we're not talking about one man, we're talking about a number of people that you would end up having to replace. So that's that's... I think a, a, a contingency that he's going to have to, if he it's, hasn't already, get very quickly yeah. prepared for. It's a big um, ask. Uh, Cammy, it is a big ask. But sadly, the guy's on a lot of money. That's that's the job. So, absolutely. Listen, you know, listen it's, his, it's his responsibility. And he knew that coming into it. That, listen, managers leave of one of two ways. They either leave because they've been sacked or they leave because they've been poached. But you have to set in a contingency. And that's the whole point of that, that role, that there's no disruption to the footballing operation when that inevitably happens. Um, okay, um, Ian, let's uh, let's go, let's go. take a trip down Positive Avenue. Um, we're going to win against Ross County. How much are we going to win by? I think we'll sneak a 2-1. A 2-1, probably a last-minute winner. A 2-1 um, a, a with my arse making buttons. <laughs> um, I will go, I'll go for a, I'll go for a 2-0. I'll say that we'll keep a clean sheet with them. Um, I would go with Katic and Edmondson this weekend. Uh, they'll keep a clean sheet. Um, hopefully, um, Tav's injury, he he obviously went off um, last night. Hopefully, it isn't too bad. 
uh, Rangers didn't reveal any update so far because we're still waiting on the, the Ross County press conference, which will be towards the, the latter part of the week. Uh, and we'll find out some more details on that. It will be tomorrow, likely. Um, but again, as I say, I would be confident with um, either Matt Poster coming back into it, potentially um, Nathan Patterson as well. Um, but that's it from uh, from us uh, for this week from Heart and Hand. Um, if you've liked what you've heard so far today and the, the fact that I can't even differentiate between Conor McGregor and Alan McGregor, please feel free to jump on to our Patreon site that we were discussing uh, earlier on. Um, Hoggy had an excellent daily update uh, with uh, Martin Ramsey earlier. Um, but there's a whole host of shows on there that you can get. Um, if you go on to patreon.com um, forward slash heart and hand, you'll be able to get loads more access to content and this. And some of it might be uh, quite uplifting as well in terms of providing you with a little bit of a laugh around um, various things about to do with life, as well as tons and tons and tons of Rangers content in there. If you're still in love with the club, which I think we all are, but my God, they're testing us, Ian. We all are. We love our club. We love a club too much sometimes. We're all massively, massively invested. And that's why it hurts a little bit, but we will never stop. Absolutely. Well, listen, thank you very much to my, my guest uh, for today, Mr Ian Hogg. Pleasure, mate. And uh, yes, Rangers, go to Dingwall and fucking will win. Absolutely. And just to thank our executive producers in London, uh, Mr. Uh, Paul Lee and Mr. McMyers. Uh, my name is Cammy Bell. Thank you much for your time. We will be back with the flagship show on Monday. We will be discussing that one over Ross County. Um, and I hope you have a great weekend, Bears, and the Rangers get a result for you on Sunday afternoon. Thanks now. Bye-bye. <laughs>